Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. This is The Great America Show. Welcome. Great to have you with us. It is Wednesday, July 26, and mark the day, a big day for truth, justice, and the American way. We may see today whether the rule of law is returning to our federal court system. The sweetheart plea deal for Hunter Biden that the national mediaverse has been talking about for the last few weeks is front and center, and Hunter Biden's attorneys are in big trouble, it appears. Hunter Biden attorneys are due in court this afternoon, where Judge Mary Ellen Norica will either accept or reject the terms of the slap on the wrist, the pat on the head deal for Hunter Biden. But that is in jeopardy, because Hunter Biden's attorneys face sanctions after being accused of lying to the clerk in his criminal tax case as a judge, Judge Norica, has ordered the first son's attorneys to explain themselves. The alleged dirty trick employed to remove testimony from IRS whistleblowers to remove it from the court docket. And Judge Norica ordering Hunter's attorneys to explain themselves. That plea deal is a misdemeanor on tax fraud charges and the acknowledgement of illegally obtaining a gun. Again, neither charge carrying prison time for Hunter Biden. A far different result would be the case for 99.9% of the rest of America. Not only is Hunter Biden the first son, a habitual drug user, a frequenter of prostitutes, and pitchman for his father's quid pro quo services, now Hunter is actually a world-renowned artist. An exclusive Business Insider story breaking the latest that Hunter Biden has made more than a million dollars at one art gallery selling his original prints. Here's the catch. One of the buyers of Hunter's art happens to be a big Democratic donor, Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali. Naftali also happens to have been appointed by President Joe Biden to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad in July of 2022. The corruption of the Bidens couldn't be more transparent and in your face. Paul Sperry of Real Clear Investigations is now reporting Joe Biden is also being protected along with his son, in his theft of classified documents as a senator and vice president. Perry tweeted this, Developing, Special Counsel Rob Herr is having to negotiate conditions with DOJ and Biden's legal team, including personal attorney Bob Bauer and White House counsel, for a possible interview with Biden over his removal of classified documents when he left the White House in 2017. End quote. So just how much longer will the Biden family get away with their crooked dealings? Our guest today knows from personal experience how the federal government is protecting Joe Biden. Joining us is Kevin Evans, attorney at law representing without question the people's interest in seeking documents pertaining to the Biden crime family. 
And Kevin is right now in court pursuing that very goal. Kevin, great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. Let everybody know, if you will, where you are in the judicial system now pursuing that FOIA and the public interest. Sure. Since um, I think we last chatted in January on this, um, and what has transpired since is that the government, Department of Justice, has filed a motion for summary judgment, uh, essentially asking the court to throw the case out um, on some technical grounds that I'll describe here in a second. But I I think I have to um, prelude that discussion with the government's underlying position that they've they've asserted in their briefing and uh, in their motion, which is, and I and I think your audience will get a big kick out of this. Um, the government, the Department of Justice, has actually gone on record as saying that the public has a quote minimal FOIA interest in the Hunter Biden James Biden matter, which is the subject of my FOIA, uh, a minimal public uh, a minimal interest, and that the Biden interest. Um, uh, is is uh, exceedingly greater than the public interest in understanding what's going on with the Department of Justice, particularly in light of this recent plea deal. Some have called it a sweetheart deal. I call it a sylph-like deal. Um, but uh, yeah, so so that's that's the position they've staked, and so they've moved for summary judgment. Um, and after saying publicly that they have found roughly 400 pages, and I believe there's more, but after saying they've found roughly 400 pages of, and again, their words, not mine, apparently responsive and potentially responsive records, when they realized I wasn't going away, um, they then turned around and filed this motion and asserted Glomar, which is a, a doctor in a case, uh, out of a, uh, a case that, a FOIA case from many years ago, essentially saying that um, we will now neither admit nor deny the existence of uh, requested records, and and so therefore you can't prove your case that records exist and you lose. Uh, now, mind you, this is after they've admitted that these records, at least 400 pages of, of records exist. So um, we had a hearing in court on Monday, uh, this past Monday, because I moved for discovery after they asserted Glomar in uh, their motion, in their judgment, uh, motion for summary judgment papers, and the court made a couple of interesting observations uh, during the hearing on Monday, which lasted about an hour and twenty minutes. He asked the government, the DOJ lawyer on the phone from D.C., who, by the way, couldn't appear in person. Right. He asked him um, whether this was a unique situation. Uh, in light of the fact that the government has already admitted that these records, at least a number of records, exist. And ridiculously, the DOJ lawyer said, no, this is not a unique situation. Uh, I responded by saying, well, then maybe they should point us to a case because I've done significant research on this, and I can't find a case where an agency has had the chutzpah of doing what DOJ has done here, uh, which is turn around and assert Glomar after acknowledging that records exist. And the court agreed with me and said, no, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, this is a unique situation. Uh, you've already admitted existence of record. So here's what you're going to do, DOJ. He ordered them to submit a declaration in camera for his review. I don't get to see it, at least not at this point. Explaining the search that they conducted, uh, where they found these 400 pages of documents, 
attaching examples of those documents and then informing the court whether DOJ has disclosed any of those documents or the information in those documents to anyone outside the executive branch of government. Uh, and in follow-up uh, by me, he said, yeah, that includes Hunter Biden's lawyers. So if you disclose these to Hunter, this information or documents to Hunter Biden's lawyers, you need to tell the court that. Um, I, 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 I raise that because of what's happened uh, recently, what's come to light in terms of what happened with this search warrant in Delaware, where this AUSA wolf stepped in and alerted Hunter Biden's lawyers to the fact that there was a search warrant, giving them time to do whatever they wanted to do to remove records from the facility that was going to be searched. So I got the court to, to um, put on the record that this includes Hunter Biden's lawyers. So they have until July 28 to um, provide that declaration, and the court made it clear that he expected a very robust declaration, not you know, just uh, conclusory statements. And then the court will decide whether Glomar has been waived. And Glomar, just to, to be clear for all of us uh, non-attorneys, Glomar is what doctrine? What does it state? So it, it comes from a CIA, a case, a FOIA request against the CIA related to a, a Howard Hughes vessel many years ago. And essentially what it states is that if the agency, pick your agency, whether it's DOJ, CIA, FBI, regardless, uh, if the agency believes that um, there are exemptions that apply here, in other words, the, what the DOJ has asserted here are unwarranted invasions into the Biden's privacy interests, um, if the DOJ in this case believes that there are such exemptions, uh, the DOJ can uh, say that we will neither confirm nor deny the existence of responsive records. We don't have to tell you whether responsive records exist. We're just going to tell you we're neither confirming nor denying the existence of those records. That's what Glomar is. You know, that that's a doctrine that I think should go away. What, what do you think? I, I think it's absurd. Uh, I mean, it's like it's like some kid making up a game, uh, you know, heads I win, tails you lose. You know, uh, it's uh, preposterous on its face. I don't understand how that doctrine could survive until I pause and I think, wait a minute, we're dealing with a federal government. Of course, that kind of illogic and absurdity would exist uh, for corrupt purposes, if for no other, don't you think? Well, yeah, I mean, there are exemptions uh, under FOIA. I mean, and the, the courts have, although they give lip service to the fact that those exemptions are to be narrowly construed, um, the courts have, over the years, broadly construed them in the government's favor. Uh, and so the, the, the government has created this fiction that if we tell you these documents exist or potentially responsive documents exist, then that's going to... Um, in, invade the privacy interests, in this case, of Hunter Biden, um, because we would have to disclose that those documents exist. And that, 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 had, that sheds negative light on Hunter Biden. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I'm not sure what more let negative light needs to be shown on Hunter Biden. But, you know, that's the position. Yeah. Yeah, you would think that would be firmly established in the public consciousness, uh, including that of, uh, of judges, prosecutors, uh, and, and law enforcement. So if the court finds that Glomar has been waived, um, it will be my position that the government must either disclose the documents 
in their entirety, or, and, and we're talking about these 400 pages of records that they've already admitted exist, or they can, they can produce them in redacted fashion and having quite a bit of experience in FOIA cases, um, that's exactly what they do. I mean, it, it, it ends up being like Valerie Plame's book, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, almost, you know, pages of black. And so, um, you know, but, but that's something they could do, and they could say, well, here's the exemption we're asserting with respect to this redaction, and then we'd be refining over the redaction. So that's where I'm hopeful that we can, we can get this case. Well, it's interesting because all of this coming together, there's a, a, a great uh, conflation, if you will. In uh, Hunter Biden's cases, he's being uh, deposed by in a lawsuit with the laptop repair shop owner. Uh, he is also uh, obviously uh, in jeopardy of running afoul of the investigating agencies of the of the House of Representatives. And by running afoul of, I mean, they are trying to bring the vice tighter and tighter uh, in order to uh, produce all the documents and to actually get testimony uh, from the agencies that have been working with them, including those, the Internal Revenue Service, the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, the Department of Justice and FBI, all working together to come up with one of the sweetest sweetheart deals imaginable that is on tax evasion, walking away with two misdemeanors uh, and, uh, and and a gun felony that uh, could be expunged uh, just because they're awfully good people. Uh, we're we're talking with attorney Kevin Evans. He's pursuing uh, your right to know what the Biden family is doing and what the FBI knows about it all. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back talking with attorney Kevin Evans. Kevin, let's give us a sense, your sense of, of where your case, your uh, pursuit of these documents relating to James and Hunter Biden, uh, where they fit in context with all of the lawsuits that are going on and investigations uh, of the Biden crime family. So the, the FOIA request that I have served, and it was served back in November of um, 2020, by the way, um, <laughs> the, um, the FOIA request asked for records pertaining to gifts, payments, that type of thing um, to Hunter Biden in one paragraph, James Biden in the other, from three specific countries. 
um, countries of China, Russia, and Ukraine. And if we're successful um, and we get those records, then they will indicate um, you know, what DOJ has looked into with, or not looked into with respect to these payments and gifts. And, and, and I will tell you that, I mean, I, I have significant white collar experience. I mean, I've been doing this for 39 years and I've had, so I've had significant white collar experience, including several multi-month trials, white collar trials. And I've also conducted numerous internal investigations, including in Afghanistan. I will tell you that one of two things happened here. Either there was a thoroughly inept and incompetent investigation, or there's been a completely corrupt investigation and charging decision. And in my humble opinion, with my experience, based upon what it looks like with everything coming to light, and thank God for Mr. Shapley, um, it's looking like the latter. Th this was a complete corrupt investigation uh, preordained from the get-go. So to see these couple of dozen who have um, approached the Judiciary and Oversight Committees in the House, as well as the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, it, it gives me, uh, I, I was growing very cynical about what the FBI and the Justice Department stood for. I am still overwhelmed by the corruption of both places, but it's good to know that there are some good and decent and strong Americans still working uh, in those two places. Well, isn't it curious that of all of all places, the New York Times came out today and um, says it is confirmed uh, what Mr. Shapley and the other IRS whistleblower have said through independent sources. So, you know, now that this has gotten so bad, the stench is so overwhelming that now the you know, the uh, mainstream media is having a difficult time trying to cover, uh, run cover for this this outfit. And um, uh, and 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 so I am. I, I like you um, find some solace and, um, and and believe me, I, I worked in this area for a long time. There are good people. There are very good people at these organizations. Um, I mean, my brother works for a government agency, um, albeit overseas, and has for a number of years. There are really good people uh, in there, but you know, they're not at the top echelon where this corruption. Uh, is so pervasive. It is interesting because the New York Times is the, I, I would say, the the pillar of fourth estate uh, uh, commitment to the Marxist Dems who lead the Democratic Party. And this suggests to me, Kevin, that when the New York Times makes this turn, it looks like the leadership of that uh, Marxist Dem group that uh, leads the Democratic Party have decided that perhaps Joe Biden is not going to survive this, uh, at least uh, as a candidate uh, in 2024. Well, I think that's, that, that is certainly an observation that's out there, and I think it's probably about as good, of, good as any. Um, you mentioned Weiss. I, I don't want to condone what he did here, um, because quite frankly, um, I think what, what Weiss should have done, if in fact, he he did ask for special counsel status, and if he did ask for charges to be brought in California and D.C. and was stymied, he should have resigned. Um, he should have sent up the red flag and resigned. He should have done what any 
morally, in my opinion, responsible attorney in that position would have done. I mean, we all remember the Watergate era, right? Archibald Cox, et cetera. Right. That's what they right. did. Um, and that's what that's exactly what Weiss should have done. And he didn't do it. Now, we can all speculate as to why he didn't do it. I have my own thoughts. I'm not interested in putting those out in the on the air. But, um, you know, that that that, in my opinion, is what Weiss should have done. He should not have been led by the nose by an AUSA from his um, district, for instance, uh, who um, informed Biden's lawyers, apparently, of a search warrant. Um, nor should he have been just simply accepted and rolled over when he was told that these more significant charges would not have been brought. If he believed they should have been brought and he was told no, then that that's what he should have done, in my opinion. Now, having said that, I will tell you that I, I don't hear any I don't hear this talked about. I hear a lot of pundits saying, well, the statute of limitations has run because the government so slow walked this. Mm -hmm. That's. That's true with respect to perhaps some of these charges. But what I don't hear being talked about is the significant charge that, in my opinion, still could be brought. And, and that is a RICO conspiracy claim um, where the shell companies that all this money was dumped into uh, are the, it would be considered the enterprises the enterprise and the individuals would be the rico defendants and you the predicate acts would be things like money laundering and wire fraud where you know if you have one of those instances and i gotta believe that there are several of those instances during the last four years all you have to do is transfer money from one account to another um and, and that's part of the money laundering conspiracy um i still think that is a really significant charge that could and should be pursued and can be brought. And that carries with it real jail time. You know, not slap on the wrist stuff. That's years of jail time. Well, you're bringing up a very uh, interesting point, and you're right. Uh, I haven't heard anyone mention the RICO charge. And we do know, thanks to the investigations of the House Oversight Committee, that there are uh, well over a dozen companies involved uh, in the transfer of monies from both foreign uh, corporations and enterprises and uh, foreign uh, governments uh, to those accounts that ultimately resulted in money uh, in the accounts of, uh, well, uh, Hunter Biden uh, and his uh, members of his family. We are talking with attorney Kevin Evans. We're talking about corruption in our federal government and what's being done about it. One of the things we're watching one citizen, Kevin Evans, attorney at law, pursuing truth through the FOIA request with the Department of Justice and the FBI about none other than Hunter and James Biden. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back. We're talking with Kevin Evans, and we're talking about the possibility of overcoming all of these statute of limitations uh, impact on the charges against uh, Hunter Biden in particular, uh, and perhaps members of his family, uh, including possibly the president of the United States. The RICO, give us a give us what are the the requisites uh, for a RICO to 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 be brought and uh, uh, and prevail. So RICO charges are hard, but if there were ever were a relatively simple RICO case, in my opinion, this is it. Um, and so what you need in that respect, and this will be in order to get around the statute of limitations, if I were the prosecutor, I would charge this as a RICO conspiracy. And so what you need in that case is you need what's called an enterprise. Um, and the enterprise here, the criminal enterprise, would be these shell corporations where monies from Burisma, from the Chinese, the $5 million that came from uh, the China uh, colleague of Hunter Biden that was the subject of this recent WhatsApp message. Mm -hmm. um, if that money goes into those shell companies, those shell companies become the enterprise. And then you charge, so they're not a defendant. The shell companies are not a defendant. But who are the defendants? Are the individuals who benefited from and participated in the conduct uh, resulting in the payments to those enterprises or and or the payments out of those enterprises. So Hunter Biden being one, um, he would be a RICO defendant. And if you have what are called predicate acts, and there's a whole laundry list of predicate acts, but money laundering is a predicate act, wire fraud is a predicate act, um, then uh, if you have one of those within the statute of limitations, uh, then you are uh, not barred by the, and the RICO statute of limitations, by the way, is four years. Um, you are not barred from pursuing charges that relate to similar conduct that occurred before the four-year period. So this, this allows you to go back and capture um, the other payments that are outside the four-year period, as long as you've got predicate acts within the four-year period. And I have to believe that there are several predicate acts uh, that have taken place since 2018. So we're looking at uh, 2019 would be the, the cutoff year, uh, correct? So if there were payments, for instance, out of those shell companies uh, to pick, pick your person, uh, that would be part of the, in my opinion, the money laundering part of this case. I, I don't see the, by the way, I, speaking of the public interest, I don't see the public interest in a statute of limitations for something like uh, RICO and, uh, on its on its face. If you, if you have a case built there, I don't see why there should be any limitation, uh, statute of limitations on bringing that case. What is the reasoning on the public interest in permitting, uh, a, <laughs> permitting a, a crime to succeed if you can last for four years? outside of prosecution well i mean i 
I represent a lot of defendants over the years in, in white collar matters, so I am I, I, I won't I won't say that I'm not um, I, I don't think the statute of limitations is um, uh, is so unusual or so um, antithetical to, to justice because you know my, when you have witnesses whose memories fade and um, things of that nature, um, it just you know th these kind of claims go stale and if you're allowed to go back too far, uh, then you start impacting the rights of individuals who are charged. So I'm not, I mean, the statute of limitations does have a purpose. Um, but here, I, I just simply think that if the, if the government were doing its job, if DOJ was doing its job, and I wonder whether anybody has given any thought to this in the Department of Justice uh, in terms of a RICO charge. If they were doing their job, they, I, I'm quite confident they would be able to find predicate acts within the last four years. Well, it's it's pretty clear to me that David Weiss wasn't thinking about it uh, because this would have been a perfect uh, approach for him to take. But he was also prescribed, uh, according to reports, uh, from bringing charges without being in concert with uh, Justice Maine, uh, uh, California's uh, U.S. attorney. Uh, it, it's, it was really, a, he was hamstrung, uh, in, in point of fact, wasn't he, by a Justice Department that said it wasn't taking orders from the White House and wasn't intervening in any Hunter Biden case. It seems pretty clear that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, someone's lying here, right? Um, is it the six whistleblowers? Is, is it the six people who sat in a room with Weiss and listened to him, uh, including the two whistleblowers, or is it Garland? I mean, th th there's no in-between here. Somebody is lying. And uh, now Garland may have tried to insulate himself through the deputy AG, and say, well, no one ever brought to my attention the fact that he wanted to be a special counsel. Um, and that's how Garland gets gets around it. Okay, well, call the deputy AG before the House Ways and Means uh, and the Oversight Committee and um, grill him. Because somebody here isn't telling the truth, and my bet is it's main justice. So, but but I get back to Weiss. I mean, I'm not excusing his conduct here. If, that, if he truly did seek to have D.C. and California pursue charges, and he did seek to have special counsel status, and he was denied it, he should have walked away. And that would have set up all kinds of red flags. Well, the red flags are flying in every direction right now. <laughs> Garland uh, and Weiss, uh, no interference, they say, but six witnesses saying yes, as you point out. Uh, the, the lines are pretty clear now. Uh, and, and they're getting clearer by the day, and more lines are showing up, whether it is this instance or whether it is, uh, for example, uh, the, the decisions about uh, taking on a former president of the United States, finding a magistrate to approve a search and seizure uh, warrant, uh, as uh, as they did. I, I, I mean, there's just, this is a Justice Department that is, that's gone rogue, uh, but they've gone rogue so far. It almost seems like standard operating procedure, doesn't it? Well, I could I could uh, regale you with other instances where the Department of Justice has gone rogue over the years. I've been involved in several instances like that. I, we don't have the time to go into them now, but let me just tell you, this is not a new development. Um, there are repeated instances that I personally have knowledge of where the Department of Justice has hid exculpatory information, where they've overcharged people, um, where they have ruined lives uh, only to have a jury come back with not guilty verdicts 
Um, I mean, it's just outrageous, the, the conduct that's taken place over the years. So this is not anything new in my experience. The level of it here, perhaps, is what's so um, interesting and uh, unique, in, in, in my opinion, uh, particularly given the, the, the people we're dealing with. But, you know, there is a, there is a solution here, Lou. Um, if, if this judge is doing her job and is truly looking out for the rule of law and the integrity of the judicial system, she could refuse to rubber stamp this plea deal. And she could haul people into court before her and ask them some pretty tough questions. Now, is that likely to happen? I'm not holding my breath. If I were sitting there as the judge on this case, it's exactly what I'd do. Yeah. We're learning a lot about the judges in our court system, particularly in D.C., uh, Florida, uh, and a few other states as well. Uh, as you put it, I won't be holding my breath either, but I certainly will be hoping, like the Dickens, that we can find integrity among these judges uh, in the federal judiciary. Because there is the perfect example of what you're talking about, an FBI and a DOJ that have gone rogue. But right now, sitting in jails in D.C. and environs in the federal prison system, hundreds of our fellow citizens who were there, they've been overcharged for January 6th, walking through the Capitol uh, after having been invited in some instances. The book has been thrown at every one of these people, irrespective of their level of culpability, if there is any culpability at all. Uh, some people definitely broke the law and they are, are being punished uh, and will be punished. But I'm talking about hundreds of people who are just simply being made an example of and who are political prisoners. And there seems to be no law against prosecutors who overcharge or judges who oversentence. We always give our guests, Kevin, as you know, the, the, the last word, your concluding thoughts on all of this, if you will. Well, let me just, with respect to that last comment, let me just say that, I mean, we're not just talking about the January 6th folks here. There, there are plenty of people sitting in jail at this, as we speak on tax evasion charges and RICO charges, right? Um, so this is selective. Th this is an example of selective prosecution in the extreme, uh, only on the reverse side. They're, they're deciding not to prosecute. Um, and so my hope is that, Lou, by the, by the time we next chat, um, we will be in a position to tell you that, uh, or at least I will be in a position to tell you that um, the government uh, has lost its effort at summary judgment. The court has looked at the documents and the information that's been presented and has determined that there's enough there for this case to proceed and that the government is going to have to uh, try to show that Hunter Biden and James Biden's, Biden's privacy interests exceed that of the public. And... Um, I, I don't know how they make that showing, but I guess time will tell. Kevin, we appreciate you being with us. We appreciate you spending time to educate us all and to illuminate the the events that are uh, shaping this country uh, in this particular moment in history. Thanks so much, Kevin Evans. We appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Our guest here tomorrow will be attorney and author, former Trump top DOD official, Cash Patel on impeaching the Biden regime. Please join us and please follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs, that's at Lou Dobbs, and on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight. And be sure to check out our new LouDobbs.com website. Please join us here tomorrow for The Great America Show. Until then, God bless you. God bless America.